Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the One Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Our mission at One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and to live your life on purpose. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by Strange Bird Media. Strange Bird is a Nashville-based, full-service production company producing videos, photography, graphics, and web design. As creative content developers, they work with agencies, brands, and artists to produce high-end media solutions with a fresh touch and a unique style. Check out their website at strangebirdmedia.com. Guys, I can count on one hand the teachers who have influenced our lives the most. When we teach our kids about Jesus, about life, about character and courage, we are usually quoting this guy right here. He's a former D1 football player who's in his 60s and can still bench 300 and run three miles. Now, if that doesn't get you excited or just curious, it's, it's real. Yeah, he's been the pastor of Denton Bible Church for decades. He's one of the greatest Bible teachers of our time, mm-hmm. hands down. He's known most for his incredible teaching on sex, marriage, and dating through the Song of Solomon. I promise you it will change your life. We'll link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. He's also known for just cutting the fluff and shooting straight, which I just appreciate so much. Yeah. We are so honored to welcome to the show today our very special guest, Pastor Tommy Nelson. Everybody has got an intuitive, instinctive ability to serve God. There are instinctive gifts, and whenever you get in the body of Christ or whenever you get in the world and you seek to love them and minister, you're going to follow a certain intuitive natural instinct. You'll find out what your gift is. It just leaps at you. And you find out that is your greatest joy, is doing that. At the end of this conversation, I just walked away inspired by a man who's lived his life to the fullest and is continuing to live it every single day. And I know that you will walk away the same. So get ready, buckle up. Here's Pastor Tommy. Great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to make it our goal to be as quiet as possible <laughs> so that you can talk as much as possible. Yep, yep. <laughs> Fire away. All right. So we're going to jump right in here, Tommy. Uh, when I think of someone who's really found the thing that they've been put on this planet to do, without a doubt, one of the first that spring to mind is you, Tommy Nelson. So mm-hmm. we want to hear the story of how you landed on that calling. But before we do that, you have such a unique story. Would you tell us just a little bit about you? Uh, how you grew up and what led you to do what you're doing right now. Well, I'm from Waco and um, I was always looking for something to give me meaning. I was always really scared as I grew up about dying and uh, not dying, but but dying and not having anything to show of, of saying that I lived and I never found out what I was supposed to do. And so that empty spot in my life, I knew it wasn't going to be academics. That wasn't going to do it. I knew I wasn't going to be able to make money. I wasn't going to be a scientist, couldn't be a musician. But I was an athlete. And so I was a baseball player and I was a football player. And I I got my rite of passage in football. And so I wanted to be a professional football player. And even though in high school I was offered a contract by the Cincinnati Reds, I was a good baseball player. But I wanted to play football. And um I was going to go to Baylor. One of my best friend was the son of the head coach at Baylor, but they changed coaches. And so uh, North Texas came uh, looking. North Texas would throw the ball 50 times a day, and so I came to North Texas. And, and in short, I found out when I got here that um, my talents were not going to make it into the pros. I was, I was seeing 
Archie Manning and Mike Phipps and Joe Theismann and Jim Plunkett and those guys. And I just saw no matter how good I was, I couldn't be that good. And then I got injured two years in injuries, got cross from my quarterback coach. Plus, I got away from mama and ended up drinking and smoking and doing weed and doing stuff. Just stupid because I, I just didn't know God. I was a good Methodist kid, but I, I didn't know God, you know. And uh, just in the darkness of my life at North Texas, I just began asking questions and seeking. I wrote Billy Graham a letter and asked him oh, wow. if, what I should do. He wrote me back and he Did said, he? dear Tom, wow. he said, a lot of people in this day, a lot of college students are asking for answers. Mm-hmm. The problem, Tom, is sin. And then I stopped right there and threw his letter away. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about sin. Mm-hmm. And so um, basically God brought me to my knees and uh, a navigator came into my room and shared the gospel with my roommate. And I heard over his shoulder that the law could not save you, the Ten Commandments, And they were here to show you you were a sinner, and that's why Christ died, and it all made sense. And about a month later, I trusted Christ. And I thought I'd discovered something altogether new to Western civilization. I thought it was Jesus and Martin Luther and me (laughs) that knew this. And and so I just knew God was going to make me now a great quarterback. And um, long story short, they moved me to safety. And then I uh, tore up my knee and uh, wondered what I was supposed to be doing. And I decided to come back for my fifth year under Hayden Fry. And I was playing really well as a Christian, but he called me into his office and he said, Tom, you decided to come back for your fifth year? I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, how come? I said, I want to play for guys like you. They said, well, we really appreciate that, however. That's when I knew I was in trouble. They said, we're going to lose this year probably, and we can't lose with fifth-year senior. And so we're going to have to lose with sophomore. So I was student teaching in Louisville, Texas, and I was a baby Christian, and I just said, God, you got to lead me. you got to show me what I'm going to do. you got to take care of me. And by this time, I'd kind of been adopted by Campus Crusade. And they started putting in me uh, Bible study prayer, sharing your faith, and fellowshipping with other Christians. And I really had my foundation good. And I got so, uh, Chris, excited about my Bible, I would cut class just to read my Bible. That's awesome. And, and I've never overcome the notion that God has spoken in a knowable way to humans by which we can know him. So I've always had to discipline myself not to read the Bible. I would neglect my family. I'd neglect myself I had if I just read like I wanted to. And so I was a student teacher, and I gave a coach down there a magazine, a Christian magazine. He said, are you a uh, Christian? I said, I am. He said, do you think you could speak to my FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes? And I did. Shared my testimony. I shared what was called God's plan, that he offers peace, pardon, purpose, and power. And when I finished, I said, well, any of y'all want to be saved? And eight of 16 kids said they did. And I led eight kids to Christ, one of whom is in my church today. And uh, mm-hmm. after that, they said, could you speak to the school? And I said, God, I was scared to death, but I said, I'll do it. And I did. And that's when I knew. I mean, I said, this is what I could fail at. If, if I never did anything but this and nobody cared, I could succeed doing this and I would die with no regrets. And mm-hmm. so that started just my journey of uh, following God from horizon to horizon. I never made any big plans. I would just go horizon to horizon as God led me. And so that's how I got into the ministry. That's awesome. So, Tommy, we have a lot of people listening who are kind of in process, trying to seek out what they've been born to do and pour their lives out into doing it well. So how did you kind of start walking in that calling? Clearly, you're not shy in front of an audience. You have an amazing ability to communicate. But was that always the case? Kind of take us back there to that first moment when you stepped up to preach for the first time. Yeah. You know, I was I was a hit in elementary school at Show and Tell. <laughs> I really was. 
I could, uh, was a hit and show and tell. And I could always get to the point and communicate well. I think I could have been a good salesman. I just couldn't find anything to communicate about. And uh, I always had an interest in the flow of ideas. Even when I was a little kid, history didn't interest me, but the flow of history did. Philosophy didn't interest me, but the flow of philosophy did. And I always was amazed that our world is not a static world. It's not a world of truth. It's a world always in transition, a world always seeking, and it will go for and against truth. And so I was always amazed at the sojournings of man. And when I found the Bible, that's when I saw this is the maypole around which all of history revolves. It's its proximity to the truth. So I I was a good communicator, but I didn't know what to communicate about. I was going to be a teacher. I was a phys ed biology major in education, but I didn't have anything to communicate about. And so whenever I found the Lord, I really didn't think I'm going to be a preacher I thought, I don't care how I make my living. I know what's going to be my life, mm-hmm. you know, for me to live as Christ. And I had a, a lineman come up to me now as my best friend. And he, he just said to me, he's from Virginia Beach and named John Bowles. He said, what happened to you? <laughs> and I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, you're, you're happy. He said, you were always kind of dark. And I said, I was. And I said, I came. I said, you know this Jesus stuff? He said, I'm Church Christ. And he <laughs> said, well, I was Methodist. But I said, I knew about Christ. I didn't know him until... I realized he didn't die as a victim. He, he died as a sacrifice. And so he can change your life. And he rose from the dead, and he can come into your life and the person of the Spirit of God, and he can get you back to where you should be. And he said, the heck you say it. I said, he did it. And that guy, he trusted Christ. And uh, and then the guy who played center for us named Clark Lawrence trusted Christ, and we became three tight guys. And uh, my I named my second son John Clark Nelson after those men, and they're still tight with me. And when I led them to Christ, I thought, this is what I want to do. And how I make a living, I figured I'd be a coach and a uh, biology teacher or something. I said, I'll do this. And it was until God just really led me by being asked by a a guy in crusade, let me train you. His name was John Flack. I'll take you and train you. And I said, I'll I'll do it. And I let him train me to speak. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. And a Methodist church came and said, would you take our college students? And in 1974, my wife and I for three years took 15 and developed it to 160 college kids here in Denton. And then a liberal came in, and I had to leave. And uh, I just started the Dallas Seminary because I realized I'd led a guy to Christ that was a doctor, and I realized after a while he was like a 3-9 doctor, you know, pre-med. I was a a 2-9 phys ed, and I knew this guy was smarter than me. And after a while, I realized no one had ever built into me, and there was this seminary just got, well, not just got started, but just got famous after Explo uh, 73. It was called Dallas Theological Seminary. And I went there, and I mean, it was like a port right in my heart. And they poured into me. And so right after I started the Dallas, the liberal came in. I had to leave and didn't have a church. A church just started up here with about, oh, had about 90 people called Denton Bible. And they asked me to come. And I brought my kids from the church. And they gave me the great sum of $400 a month. (laughs) And uh, I said, I can live on that. And I said, you know, I had some offers from other churches to come on. But I said, this guy named Mel Summerall, they were into evangelism, discipleship. He was under a guy from Navigators. I was under a guy from Crusade that took me and trained me. And so that was our deal. And I've just really gone, Jenny, just, I never really had big plans. I would go from horizon to horizon, trying to be faithful where I was. And I would just say, God, you develop me. And I've never really ever planned that much. I've just always tried to read my Bible, to pray, to disciple men and get others to do it. 
And you know what? A guy told me early on in Crusade, uh, way back then, Chris, he said, he said, don't be worried about the will of God for your life. Be concerned about the will of God. Mm-hmm. And the will of God is the Great Commission. Do that and let God direct your path. And so he always has. Now I'm well known for my writings on depression. Uh, so <laughs> I went from sex to depression. That's usually the way it goes when you get old. <laughs> and uh, now I, I've had a lot of people call. I went through a clinical depression. just took me by surprise. I'd overworked. And uh and so I don't know the next thing I'll do. I have what are called young guns. I have a number of guys that, that come here from around the country, wherever, and we just spend about 500 hours and nine months putting Bible into those young men and sending them out. And they built my staff. They built my everything in, in our church, and they've gone all over the country. And so I, I sit on the board at Dallas Seminary and try to show them from uh, my failures, any successes, try to help guide them. But... I just take one day as it comes. Today I got y'all. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, <laughs> well, we're I'll go work out later on, and then I'm, I'll go eat something. Yeah. But I, I don't have any great big plans. I just try to to be faithful in the basic things. Great people, I've always noticed, are great because they're always faithful in basic things. Always. They read their Bible. They pray. They confess their sin quickly. They share their faith. They disciple others, and they love the body of Christ. And God's got the big squeeze on them. He's got the hand on them. That's so and they good. do good things. Guys screw up because of basic things right. they neglect. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I I love the idea of horizon, horizon. Trusting God and knowing that, you know, even he says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's going to have, have enough stuff in it. But I would love to hear from you. How did you get from the horizon of that church you were helping out with to Denton Bible? What did that journey look like? You know... Our church had a guy that was Billy Graham's assistant uh, named Dick Atkinson, a wonderful man. And Asbury United Methodist Church built itself to a good church. And they brought this guy in that I couldn't get him to agree to the multiplication table. You know, He had no sense of absolutes. And uh, I said, I can't bring my kids up to you. And so I was just obedient. And then my wife went to live with her parents out in East Texas. I stayed here in my first semester of uh, summer school at Dallas Seminary, lived in a guy's roach pad, uh, and just said, God, I was faithful, and I'm in the roach pad, but I'm going to be faithful to you. And so one day I had to do a little speaking place, and I had to get on an airplane to go to Colorado. And I went to get on the airplane, and there was a Pan Am pilot I knew that was getting off the air trends. And he said, Tom Nelson. I said, how you doing? His name was Ned Wilson. He said, I went to a little church just starting up in the Optimist Gym Dance Hall in Denton, Texas, <laughs> called Denton Bible. And I want to get you and this guy, Mel Summerall, together. Mel was 52. I was 26. He was twice my age. And we got together. And Chris, it was like uh, Barnabas and Paul that we were just Velcro. We just <laughs> fit. My strengths were his weaknesses. His weaknesses were my strengths. What he did well, I couldn't do. So we were like a blind guy pushing a a crippled guy in a wheelchair. (laughs) He had eyes and I had legs, and together we could do it. And so we built Denton Bible just on discipleship. And then as things would come, things would just open up. You know, my verse that I've always, my favorite verse is that the eyes of God— move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he might strongly support the one whose heart is completely his. And that doesn't mean that God's eyes move and fro, looking to and fro, looking for the guy. He knows where the guy is. But God's support, he looks to and fro. If Israel wants to get out of Persia and get back, God will move the king to give Israel a blank check to get home. 
the it's called the riches of his glory in Christ, that God can use anything to supply our needs. And so I have always felt if I will be faithful, that God is going to show me what he wants me to do. And so I just stepped into Denton Bible. I just, in a human sense, I just lucked my way into it. But I've always found, Chris, that guys that are faithful in basic things get lucky. Hmm. Uh, and that God God puts his hand. It looks like luck, but it isn't. But God just puts things in his path. Yeah. And so he has always just blessed that. That's so good. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I know you mentioned it a little bit before, but I know this path has not been completely blissful for you. Um, what are some of the bumps that you've hit along the way, and how did you bounce back from them? You know, the big bumps, <laughs> things that happen that are just providential things, you know, you can bounce pretty well because you just trust God, but they can be painful. Right. Like I had to, you know, I got fired. I was 26 years old. And so I just had to trust God mm-hmm. that God will take care of me. And when North Texas State, when they cut me and said, we're going to have to go with a sophomore, I remember read, uh, memorizing a verse and it says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And I trusted him and God led me. I had to break up with a girl that I dated for four years in college. And she was the mainstay of my life. She wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. But her family was. And they were the first people I'd ever seen, really, that loved the Lord. And uh, we went our opposite ways, and we broke up. And it about killed me. But God led me right into the path of my wife that I met in Campus Crusade. And uh, I really had a tough deal, Jenny, a number of years ago, about mid-1980s, about 84. I had made the mistake of when I went to Dallas Seminary, I learned all the stuff I could so it would make me a better teacher, communicator, disciple maker. And I had a pure motive in wanting to learn this stuff. But I took guys and I taught them what I had learned, but they didn't have the same commitment to evangelism, discipleship, and the Great Commission. And I assumed they did. And I ended up building great, great coffee shop debaters. <laughs> and I taught them the Francis Schaeffers, the C.S. Lewis's, the stuff that I was learning but they didn't have that same zeal, and it's like building a, a building without foundations. That, you know, if you build a big domino deal going up, it's going to fall down because it doesn't have struts on it. And it, and they ended up leaving the church in '84, and I just felt like oh, I poured my life into these guys, and they took off. I said I need to just quit and go coach, you know, running backs and receivers and Decatur or someplace. <laughs> and uh, basically, God just. He took care of me. He just let me know in his own way that I'm with you. You're okay. Trust me. Now, I I said, you know, fool me once, that's your fault. Fool me twice, that's mine. And I didn't get fooled again there, Chris. What I did was I said, I'm not going to do any more discipleship where I don't require of guys discipline, evangelism, discipleship, and faithfulness in the church. And so I, I haven't made that mistake again. But I got hurt by it. And then just through the years, Jenny, you as you lead the body of Christ in simple things, and where you put the main thing, the main thing of the knowing and obedience to the Scriptures, when you teach them to obey all that I commanded you, 
those that make minor things major things and major things minor things, you're going to run headlong into them. And so in being a pastor and an elder, you're like an icebreaker on a ship, and you're going to run into stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to come from the pagan. I've never had a problem with the pagan world. It's always the Christian world. And I've had very little trouble from liberals. It's always from evangelicals. And it's generally when guys make major things minor things and minor things major things. Yeah. And you're going to run into them. Now, that's where you have to fight within the body of Christ, and that's painful right there. And so you just have to have the confidence that I am willing to suffer in doing what I know is right. If all I have to ask when I go through pain is, was I doing what I felt was the biblical idea? Yeah. H.L. Mencken once said that you make, he said, make the decisions you can best shave with. Mm. Jenny, (laughs) let me tell you what that means. That means when you, that means when you look yourself in the mirror, you have to be able to say, I'm okay. Yeah. There have been a couple of times in my ministry that I have made decisions based upon what I felt was pressure. And everybody liked me, but I didn't sleep well. Mm-hmm. But I have made lots of decisions where I could sleep well, and people didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. As long as I know that me and God are okay, yeah. even if I make a mistake, that I made it on honest, going straight ahead mistake, I'm okay. But... That's always painful. And then, of course, about 10 years ago, I ran out of gas. I always figured that you could not do too much of stuff that you enjoyed, and I found out that you could. And when you're running on adrenaline, you can get away with it for a while, but your body produces cortisol, and it starts interfering with your serotonin and all this other stuff, and you will crash. Uh, In the old days, they just called it melancholy. Uh, then they called it burnout. And what it is, is you basically, you've got PTSD. You have just run so long that all of a sudden your body shuts down and you find yourself in a 55-gallon drum that you can't get out of. And so I found my way there and got out. And now I'm able to help lots of guys that uh, have done the same thing. Chris, make sure you don't do it. Yeah, all right, it's okay. To where you where you fill up your day and you don't protect your nights and uh, you're just running from thing to thing as fast as you can, that'll get you in trouble. You protect your mornings, protect your nights, protect your weekends as best you can. And so I had to learn that. And I'm a better man now. And I can help a lot of guys. And I have. I'm about to go do a four-hour film deal in uh, Washington, D.C., on uh, depression and anxiety that I've been through. Because I have gotten, Jenny, a million calls since then of people that get in trouble and they hit their internet and look for depression. They give them Tom Nelson, Dallas Seminary, and I end up helping them. And uh, so I'm going to try to get it out there to say all the things that I would say to them if I had the time to make sure that they don't get there and if they get there to know where to go, especially in a church that will execute those that have this because they don't know what it is. They're scared of it. Right. And nobody, I'd memorized like 17 New Testament books. So nobody could say to me, hey, you're spending time in the Word. I hadn't missed time in the Word since Gerald Ford was born. <laughs> that, uh, Chris, let me help you right yeah. now. Uh-huh. No, we're getting, it was in yeah. 73, yeah, yeah. 73, 74. So I didn't miss time in the Word. Yeah. I didn't miss time memorizing. But you can flat run out. Ask Charles Stanley. Mm-hmm. Ask um, Charles Spurgeon. Ask Martin Luther. And so... Uh, it's possible yeah. to do it. Yeah. No, wow. That's, that's so, so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're going to probably hit on that a little bit more here towards the end. But I want to ask a question. You know, I mean, you are clearly a gifted communicator. You know, and when you look at people who have just a gift and it's just clear, like a James Taylor, a Beth Moore, a Peyton Manning, there's people listening. You know, what if 
you don't have a talent or gift that's glaringly obvious. You know, how do you uncover God's purpose for your life? I know there's tons of people asking that question. That's a good point. You know, Peter said, as each has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Everybody has got an intuitive, instinctive ability to serve God. Some people say there's seven basic, some 12. I'm not sure, but there are instinctive gifts. And whenever you get in the body of Christ or whenever you get in the world and you seek to love them and minister, you're going to follow a certain intuitive, natural instinct. My instinct, if I get around Christians for a while or non-Christians, is to clarify theological and biblical issues. I want to try to bring them to a clarity of understanding. And it comes easy for me. I kid you not, I, and I say this with all humility about how great I am, but uh, I, I have a book out called uh, Humility and How I Achieve. Mm, there it is. Great. We'll find but that. When I, I have no real pride that I struggle with over my ability to communicate because I know as well as I'm sitting here, I have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Teaching comes off of me like fleas off a dog, you know. <laughs> I can put a message together in hours. Um, I can take a text and the truth will come out. And so it's an ability that God gives me to do. And, and if he pulls the plug on it, which he did on me one time, uh, when I was young in the ministry, I went to speak at a church down in the Metroplex, and I was uh, about 23 years old. I was real cocky. I was a rising star. <laughs> I took this girl I was dating called Teresa that became my wife to come watch me mm. because she needed to see the marvelousness that I had. <laughs> okay. And I went and spoke at this church, and I was totally in the flesh, and I had developed my first sermon from the Bible on Peter's denial of Christ. And the reason he denied him is because he was so proud that he didn't need the Lord. And so... I got up there in my flesh and I spoke. And normally when you speak, as you should be, the words come out of your mouth and they're like javelins. They're like light. They go on. And uh, the, the words came out of my mouth like sackcrete, <laughs> like cow mess. And it hit on my feet and splattered. And I finished a 30-minute message in about 12 minutes. And the whole crowd was looking at me, standing there stupid. <laughs> And um, I said, well, I guess I'm done. And I went to sit down and cower. And the pastor made me stand in front of everybody and did a, you know, altar call with about 19 verses of Just As I Am. No <laughs> one's moved yet. And I sat there and just completely embarrassed myself. And it was like God just said, hey, smart guy, <laughs> preach. We're all waiting to hear you here. Oh, wow. And uh, I went home, and this gentle, wonderful woman that ended up married, she gets in the car with me, and she says, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and so God beat me real good. Mm -hmm. And I have not done that since mm -hmm. because he let me see this is how you do without me. And I made a fool of myself. And mm -hmm. so I had to learn that. And uh, I learned it good. And so if you have a gift, what I tell guys to do, Chris, is get in the body of Christ and start taking a small group and your church and taking the stuff that you know and putting it in them. And you're going to find out that you will migrate a certain way. My wife is an administrator. She's really good at organizing people and running other people's lives. You dig? Mm -hmm. uh, that's what she does. 
myself, I like to clarify truth. Other guys will will be counselors and they will hurt for hurting people. Some guys can point out sin. There are little old ladies in our church as gentle as they can be, but I don't want to get in a conversation with them for long because they can spot error in your life and they will point it out. <laughs> right. But there's there's different gifts that people have, and once you get into the body of Christ, you're going to recognize them. And you'll look in retrospect and you'll go, so that's what I love to do. And so really, there's no real stuff in the Bible about discovering your gift. It's employing your gift. And if you get involved in the body of Christ as good servants of one another, you're going to find out what's your gift. Like, Jenny, what's your gift? Um, I I don't know. <laughs> She's, she's extremely organized and uh-huh. probably a lot like your wife, very much yes. so. Helps run the yes. ship <laughs> because a guy like me needs a gift like her. Who just uh, what's your gift, Chris? What is your gift? Mine is communication. He's a communicator, All right. for sure. Are you the girl behind him, Jenny, that keeps him out of trouble and organizes things and makes sure he doesn't do anything stupid or illegal? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. See, gift. now that's what... <laughs> She That's told what me a I got. Long time ago, it was her job to kind of help me stay humble. Just <laughs> yes. there, just because you have a hard time doing it yourself. Yeah, I'm going to help you, babe. I love you. You know, the way that I've kept my marriage strong is I don't mess with her life and I don't mess with mine. Right, and that way you will have no problem. But you'll you'll find out what your gift is. It just leaps at you, and you find out that is your greatest joy. Yeah, is doing that. Yeah. That's why I remember Howard Hendricks when I was at Dallas Seminary. He was a guy that greatly impacted me. And he said, God gives you a gift to use. He said, don't try to use the ability God gave somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have guys that are my administrators. I've got guys that are my counselors. i got guys that are oh, that do all kind of stuff that I, can't, I can do it, but I don't do it well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can do it well. That's good. Tommy, I love how you talked about Teresa for a second. And I've heard you talk before about the importance of looking for the gifts in your spouse and giving them the freedom and the support to run in those. Would you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, one of the greatest needs, particularly of a Christian wife, is development. Uh, There was no Glenn Campbell song way back when said, these are the something of an everyday housewife that gave up the good life for me. Mm-hmm. You don't want your wife saying, what could I have been mm-hmm. if I had just not met this guy? And so a man, like Christ does his church, he develops us, that you look for the loves your wife has, the talents your wife has, and you spend money, time, and whatever to foment those things and let them grow. And so my wife has two Bible studies, one with moms, one with the wives of international students. And she organizes them and brings people in to minister. And so we built a Morton building, a two-story Morton building next to our house. It's like a great big well-done steel building. And my wife does her ministry out of those. I mean, it cost me a load of dough, but I did it because she loves to do that. And the same way with a, with a woman, she has to look at her husband about what he loves to do and give that man the freedom to do those things. Because the greatest vexation that we have is wasted potential, that I could have been doing this. What could I have been if I didn't do this? And so mm-hmm. Howard Hendricks used to say, find what you do well and delegate all the rest. 
That's so good. You know, that whole concept of making sure that the end of your life that you've actually here, well done, right? Oh, I mean, boy. the whole reason we've called this thing one life is because I don't think people really grasp. They had one shot at this thing. And so you, you mentioned about the burnout side of things. I, I want to talk about the other side of it, the whole idea of rusting out where you never fully step into the potential. Yeah. So there's that balance there. I would love to hear your thoughts on kind of that between the rust out and the burnout and how does a Christian navigate that? Rusting out, have you ever been like white water rafting, Chris? Yes, I have. You get out in that river. What river did you white water on? Uh, it was up in outside of uh, the Adirondacks up in uh, Albany, New York. Really? I went down the New River in uh, West Virginia. And you kind of paddle around on the side with your water wings you know, <laughs> and get a tan <laughs> until all of a sudden you hit the middle of that river. You can't even see it. But you hit the middle of that river, and all of a sudden you catch that current, right. mm-hmm. and it takes you off, and it's going. To, and all of a sudden you're going to have a real interesting ride. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit some white water, and it's not going to be boring. It's going to be a lot of things, but it's not going to be boring. <laughs> and a lot of guys simply paddle over on the side, and I tell them, you gotta, you know, if you're going to play with the big boys, you got to get out where the big boys are. You've got to start becoming a student of your Bible. You've got to quit just, you know, taking little spit baths in Philippians here and there for three minutes, you know, or your daily bread or your upper crust or all those little things you read. <laughs> you've got to you got to get in your Bible and try to read your Bible through. I read my Bible through about every 18 months. I'll make notes on it, give it away to a, a nephew, and then I'll start on a new one. I've been doing that since uh, right after Watergate. You know what that is, Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was sir. way back when. Yes. So right after Watergate, I started doing that. And so I tell guys, start eating what the big boys eat and start reading C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer and read some stuff that are not Twinkies, some stuff that's got, that got meat on it, and then start being a student and a scholar of your Bible. The word scholar is from scole, and that means leisure. You spend leisure time in your Bible, mm-hmm. and then you start taking people that know less than you. You don't have to be a great teacher. Just find somebody dumber than you are, you know. <laughs> I tell you what, Chris, if you'll get 30 days to uh, Understanding the Bible by Max Anders, okay, that's phenomenal. Okay. That's phenomenal. You just get a guy and y'all just go through it and start pouring. And all of a sudden, like, uh, Jenny, I'll get, let's get you about five girls and you start teaching them. And you're going to find out they start asking questions about marriage and sex and dating and kids and you start taking the Bible as the whitewater, then just digressing here and there. And you're, you know, this study that you planned for six months, you're going to end up four years with these girls. And they start naming their kids after you. And you find out, man, that is like Jesus said, I have food to eat you know not of. Mm-hmm. And that's to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. And I get a guy. We'll take guys, Chris, on short term mission trips and we'll take them down to. Puerto Vallarta and let them, you know, run a soup kitchen and share the gospel and do this and that. And these guys come back and they all want to quit their careers because they said, that is food to eat. I knew not of. Right. Paul said to me, live as Christ. Uh, that was his delight. Because that's why Adam was created, was to know God and to then to serve him, to cultivate, subdue to bring forth fruit, multiply, and establish God's kingdom, and to love his wife. And that that's how he served God. I mean, you can do that naked. You dig. I mean, it's like, you don't need anything. Absolutely. You can do that. 
And so I tell guys, you start doing that, mm. and you're going to find out now you're going to struggle with burning out mm. because you're going to find there is an in- – I mean, lift up your eyes, yeah. Jesus said. Quit looking at where you are in your sack lunch here, boys. Mm. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white. But you're going to have – your problem is you got too many people, and you're going to struggle with I'm not living long enough. If I could just live another lifetime and do this, yeah. and you will die weary, but you will not die with regrets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and true. I had a heart attack about 10 years ago and plum near died. <laughs> and uh, I was facing, I was on an ambulance heading to the deal, and I was trying to outrun death. And you know what? I thought, I may be home in just a second. Mm. And I had no regrets. Mm. None, no regrets. Because this is the way I want to live, I'll finish my life is doing this. And I'm okay. That's great. So well, it actually leads into the question I, I want to ask you is, you know, you talked about even early on before you discovered Christ, there was something in you that was like, I want to make an impact in this world. I want the day that the day that at that point, he didn't even know it was God and what he was trying to do. But you live this life. You've walked this journey. We'll say you're in the, uh, we're in between the third and fourth quarter, right? Or, or you, maybe you'd say you're yeah. in the fourth, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. I'm, in the two, I'm in a two minute okay, offense. Okay. All right. <laughs> two minute drill. Here we go. Time out. Time. Out. Yeah. Right. I, need, I need some oxygen, some water, coach. Let's go. But I, you're in the fourth quarter, and I would love to hear what you uh, hope that people will say or that God will say on the day you encounter him and that you've accomplished and filled that void that you've obviously had years and years ago. What, what does that look like for you now? You know, I want, I want people to be able to, at my funeral— where the guy burying me can say, uh, if you were touched by the teaching life of Tom Nelson, could you stand up? I want a lot of people to stand up mm-hmm. that will carry on the truth that I've put into them. That's what I want. And I want my sons not to hate me <laughs> uh, because I had seen ministers that alienated their families, and mm-hmm. I made a decision. I was not going to have my kids hate God because of me. And so both my sons came to Christ early, and I let them struggle. I let them fail. I never made them be Tommy Nelson's boys, and they ended up— I got one boy that's uh, in the Secret Service, another's a ball player, played ball for the Cardinals. He's a Fort Worth detective. They married godly women. They have uh, brought their sons to faith. They're good boys. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't try to make them into my image. The Bible says, raise up a child in his way. So I found the way each of them had, and I let them fail. If they didn't want to do something, I didn't make them. And I didn't make my wife be my little minister's trophy over here to always show up. I let her not come to church when she didn't want to. Not go. You know, she's only been to one Song of Solomon conference. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Wow. She has been to one Song of Solomon. She ain't that impressive. (laughs) um, So I want my wife happy. I want my kids happy. And I want people to like me. I hope nobody can say, you know, if you had known this guy behind the curtain, he was this guy. That's all that I really want to do. And then you can take the rest of my stuff and give it away. Shoot, Chris, come up and look on my curtain. (laughs) My kids will throw it out. Come up and get it. Oh, my gosh. so good. That's so awesome. Well, we will certainly be two of the people standing saying how much you impacted our lives. We're so grateful for for your gift of communication and how how you've allowed God to use it in so many people's lives. We like to close out every show by asking three rapid fire questions. Are you down for it? Sure. You ready? Hit me. All right. Hit me. All right. 
Go for it, babe. So it goes a little like this. What book has changed your life? What's a discipline or habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the 20-year-old Swami Tommy? (laughs) (laughs) The book, boy, there's been a number of them. I'm going to say this. When I was in seminary, church history changed my life. Mm. Church history is the, the field of ideas, sowing truth or sowing error. You can get away with it for a little bit, but history will get you. You never fool Mother Nature, and you never fool Father Time. And the best thing you can do besides reading your Bible is to read the continuity of ideas from A.D. to where we are. And so uh, a book by Bruce Shelley called uh, Plain Talk on Church History greatly influenced my life. He was a great writer. Not everybody can write history. Uh, Even if you know history, you may not be able to write it. He could write it. And so I tell young guys to get that book. Uh, As far as uh, a discipline, every single day, early morning, me and God meet together. And I read with a pen and a credit card to make lines on. My, My notes are neat. And I just spend time with God. And then at nighttime, I keep it non crazy and I enjoy just as my wife putters. Sitting in my house, I got a red healer named Yodi, and I've always had a dog, and I sit and I read. Mm. And so I tell guys to love their books and to love their Bible. There's an old adage that uh, when your output exceeds your intake, your upkeep becomes your downfall. Mm. And so you always teach out of the overflow of a life. And so I always want to be learning new things. And I'll tell you something else I learned here, Chris. Always do every day something that you absolutely delight in. Mm -hmm. I like to lift weights and run and read and garden flowers. And so I do that. What do you do, Chris? Do you have one thing that you love? Yeah, hanging out with my kids. (laughs) Playing with my kids. Jenny, what do you do that's just pure fun? Uh, This. This right here. This, this, right is, here. this Red, is my great. list right here. Well, do do something that you love to do, and then uh, do something physical yeah, every day. Good. And so, and I try not to book my day with appointments. Uh, I always go to the gym every day. I always run every day. I'm 67, and I enjoy good health because I've never been out of shape. And so, I, I try to do spend time with the Word. And if you've got three friends, you're a rich man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A man of many friends will be broken to pieces. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A brother is made for adversity. And so I have a few. I got a lot of good buddies. I got about three guys I trust with my soul. Mm. And so and what was the last question you asked? Last oh, what would I say to a 20-year-old? Yeah, to, to 20 the 20-year-old you. you. Yeah. I, would say, I would say, when you're cut, bleed Bible. Mm. And good. I would say that the big decisions you've got to make is your master, and that's going to come from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Secondly, make sure the person you pick to spend your life with is a person that you can love just being bored with. You love sitting in the same room with them, a person that you respect. There are certain men that can't be married because Mm -hmm. they cannot love unconditionally. And there are certain women that can't be married because they can't submit uh, to authority, and they're called man eaters and uh, and uh, rogue males. Mm. And boy, you don't want to marry a rogue, and you don't want to marry a man eater. Mm. And so, don't begin a, a lifelong relationship on sex because it's like a a fire started with lighter fluid is going to flame up and it's going to die out. You you can't keep it going. 
start a marriage based upon kindness and character and friendship and let it develop into all the other stuff. And then uh, that's your master, that is your mate, and then your mission. And I would say commit yourself. Make a living wherever you want to make a living. But make a life by your learning and putting the Word of God in young men and young women to the end of your life, and you will die happy. Mm, that's so good. So good. Uh, thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on. This has been Absolutely. such a treat, such an honor. We, I, I have to tell you, we don't go a week in our house probably without saying our favorite Swami Tommy quote, which, <laughs> which is, you do what's right and let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what brilliance. What brilliance. <laughs> you never, you never go wrong doing the right thing. Amen. Just do right and let the chips fall. That's right. And eat lots of Rocky Road. Chris, what's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> oh, mine is cookies, cookies and cream. cream for him. All day. Eat, uh, Jenny, what's your favorite ice oh, cream? Oh, I don't need ice cream, Tommy. I just, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. just green juice Hey, I've seen a picture of you. I know you don't eat ice cream. <laughs> I eat for both of them. What do you do, Jenny, that's a pure carnal delight? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I like running, too, in the morning. Like Go run. I like to run. Go run. Have you discovered hokas? Do you wear hokas? No. <laughs> no, I don't. They will save They will save your hips and knees. Okay, so I'm going to look that up. Go run. Okay. Always enjoy life. Love it. And uh, smell the roses. Oh, thank you so, so much. This has been such a treat, and we look forward to next time. Absolutely. You bet. Come up and see me sometime in Denton. We would love Absolutely. to. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye now. Gosh, what a gift it was to talk to Pastor Tommy. Yeah. His life is one that fully embodies the idea of one life. Sure. A man who's taken risks, dreamed big, and lived his life on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I pray that each and every single one of us will be inspired to do the exact same thing with our life. Amen. Absolutely. Do what's right and let the chips, chips fall, fall where they may. may. <laughs> That's going to be our new tagline. Absolutely. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. If this episode blessed you, we would love it if you take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with somebody in your life who needs some courage. And as always, you can find all the info for today's episode in our show notes over at our website, onelife.works. That's a wrap, y'all. We're going to close it out like we do every single week. We know you're saying it with us. Say it loud. Say it proud. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.